Hey guys, this is Scott McKay, and before we begin the show today, I have a pretty major announcement for you. You're going to want to be sitting down for this, and even then, some of you are probably still going to fall out of your chairs, but here goes. After eight long years of producing the Chick Whisper podcast for men, we finally have a full show notes page. That's right. If you go to www.thechickwhisperer.com, you'll now be able to see what our guests look like, find information about them, find information about what's actually in the episodes, and links to other cool stuff. Best of all, the page is new, modern, and really good looking. I think you're going to enjoy it www.thechickwhisperer.com. Go ahead and take a look. If you're listening to us on iTunes, the link to the new website is right there on the show listing. Now, let's get on with episode number 77. Today, I've got none other than David Wygant with me, and uh, he and I always have a pretty spirited, fast-paced conversation that's absolutely fluff-free. Today, we're talking about dominance, being a dominant man, so uh, this is a good one. Fire up. Here we go. You're listening to the world-famous Chick Whisperer Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Hey there, it's good to have you guys back with us again for another episode of the Chick Whisperer Podcast for Men. Today, I've got a guest on with me. I've known this guy for years and years. It's incredibly overdue, and I know I say that a lot, but in this case, I seriously mean it. It's way overdue that I have this guy on the show. His name is David Wygant. You know him. He's from Los Angeles, California. Dave, how's it going, man? Good, Scott. How you doing? Good to talk to you again. It's been a while. It's been a long time, but we always have such great conversations. That is always the case. That's because both you and I know what we're doing, and we love to talk about it, and we're passionate about it. Yeah, I think probably because we're both authentic. <laughs> I yep. think that, you know, it's like we're not afraid to speak our truth because we have nothing to hide behind. And I think that's such a huge thing, and I think that's what's missing in what I call the guru culture of the world now. Too many people want to be a guru because they want the social validation, but they're not living their truth. Yeah, they want to be a dating coach because it's cool to brag about how you get women and teach other guys how to do the same thing. But as soon as somebody comes with a real issue or something that's really sticky, uh, they don't know what to do with it. They don't, but they'll but they'll split test it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they'll test it with a red font on a white background. You know, guys who come who have uh, an issue with a woman who's got narcissistic personality disorder or a guy who's got a serious thing going on with dealing with an ex-wife or guys who are transgendered and now want to go dating. I mean, you know, you got to know what to do. You got to know the difference between a guy who needs a coach and a guy who needs a psychiatrist. And, you know, if you're just uh, a pickup artist, you're not going to know the difference. And that's going to cost you and the people you work with, right? Well, yeah, because a pickup artist, all they really want, or a marketer, uh, all a pickup artist wants is validation. All the marketer wants is fear, you know, to mm -hmm. sell people programs. So, you have to, and I always tell people that all the time. It's like, you know, and I always get asked this question of all the people, you know, in the industry, you know, which ones do you like? And there's always that short list. And I think we, we both have that same short list. I said, yeah. because to me, it's like, you want a coach. Yeah, sure. He's got great programs to sell and everything else. I mean, everybody deserves to make money, but you want somebody who actually listens, you know, and understands because you and I both know that we'll come across some people that 
I can't help because they need deep therapy, you know, and it's not just about, you know, a man or a woman that's going to make their life feel better. They need to get on the couch and they need to go deep, deep into therapy. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of times guys come to me and they just hate women. They're just misogynist. And I can't really coach a guy like that because he's got such a deep seated hatred of women. And I talk about loving women. I talk about doing right by women and keeping their best interests at heart. I'll refer those guys out, guys who just want to notch their bedpost instead of going from good to great and become a man who selects women. I'll usually refer those to someone who who does pick up. Anybody whose message isn't on point with ours are going to be much better off working with someone else other than me. And I'm not afraid to refer those guys elsewhere. No, because we live something called abundance. When you have abundance mindset, you realize that there is plenty of women to date, plenty of money to be made, plenty of friends to be had. And, you know, and I tell guys this all the time, if you want a girlfriend and you want love, then speak your authentic truth all the time and watch what happens. It's, you're going to get that. If you want to get laid, don't ever take a woman down a path that wants a relationship because what's going to happen is you're going to end up meeting somebody that you like and she's going to take you down the same bad path you took someone else down. So it's really, it's powerful. And I think, you know, and I know you understand, you know, you, you know, I know you practice the same thing in your own lives. One thing you mentioned just now is that there's a difference between a marketer and a dating coach. And I think the delta there is between what sells and what works, which for better or worse, when it comes to dating advice, is a dramatically different scenario. Oh, yeah, because if you're not in, you have to get in the trenches. You know, it's like I, I was talking to a coach of mine who works for me. He says, there's nothing I haven't seen yet. I said, you're 25. <laughs> Sounds like my 16-year-old daughter. Right? Frankly. You know, yeah. and it's like, exactly, you know that. It's like, I'm sorry, but yes, there's nothing you haven't seen up until 16. But I'm 53, so I've seen 37 more years than you. It's like, with age comes wisdom, you know? So you yeah. can be the wisest 30-year-old in the entire world, but you're still not as wise as a 60-year-old person. It's just, just like me, I could talk to a 75-year-old and look at them and say, oh, man, I know everything you know. Bullshit. I don't, I don't know half of what they know. Ah, a sign of true wisdom is the man who openly admits how little he really does know. Oh, God. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, here's something I don't know. Ready for this? As you know, I was married and, you know, separated. And I've got a beautiful five-year-old daughter, you know, that I share with, you know, a really amazing woman. And this was a year that I just, I've had one lover the whole year. I mean, you know, she broke up with me five times because she wanted more. And I kept telling her, I like it the way it is. I like our once every two week thing. And I was very authentic because that's to me, I want to authentically find my amazing equal. And she was not my amazing equal. She was my sexual equal. And I stayed on track with her and told her the honest truth. And finally, she, you know, she broke up with me, which is great. And I, and I respect that immensely from her. But last night, Scott, have you ever, and remember in your times when you were single, did you ever set up a date with a woman? I met her via Facebook, okay, which I think is an amazing tool to use for guys because it's a safety tool. Who doesn't want to be hooked up with a friend of a friend, right? I went out. I met this woman last night. I met her at the Polo Lounge, uh, the Polo Lounge in Beverly, Beverly Hills Hotel. It's just a beautiful hotel. It's a great lounge. She said, my friend X, Y, and Z is going to come too uh, to say hi. And I'm like, okay. And then she says, well, you friended her first as well. I said, okay, great. Let her come and say hi. So I show up at 7.30. Her, you know, she was running late. We were supposed to meet at 6.30. She says, my friend's still showing up. Um, I said, great. I walk in, I see her, and she's beautiful. And I'm like, all right, I don't feel it because I need to feel it right away. Because when you're looking for love, it's an energetic thing. 
and you need to feel someone's essence, their beauty, their soul. I mean, when you're really dialed into it, you can really feel them. Her friend shows up about 10 minutes later. Oh, my God. It was like I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. I mean, not only she was hot, it's just her energy matched mine. You know, there was that thing that you want to feel. So we talked and, you know, she touched me a couple of times, you know, and I was like, this is the oddest first date ever. Am I going out with her or am I going out with you? Right. And I didn't say a word. And <laughs> this morning, the, the girl I met texts me and she says, God, you know, it's so great to meet you. You know, you're right. I'm still tied up with my ex-boyfriend. And I'm thinking like, why the hell, Scott, did she bring her best friend along with her last night? I can't figure it out. You're asking me this question? I'm asking you this question. Well, I think a lot of times women bring a best friend along because they want security. They want a second opinion, kind of like going to the doctor. Women really respect the opinions of their friends and they go off that. They want that approval from women who they trust, who are kind of in their tribe. It may have started out like that, or it could have been something subliminal in that, you know, I know this isn't going to work out because I'm really kind of still hooked on my ex and I don't know if this is really going to go anywhere, nor do I really want it to go anywhere, but I need to get out there and be social. And so I'm going to do it. But hey, if I can pawn this guy off on my girlfriend who really does need a date, then, you know, maybe I can get the best of both worlds. I get out, have some fun, play matchmaker, and that'll serve my needs even better. Could have been any or all of those things. I, I know because it was so bizarre and it was like, because she said a few times via text, like, you you know, you friended her before me and, and you know, it's like, she's really cool. You should meet her like one time in a, you know, our one phone conversation and or she's really beautiful. And, and then the woman who her friend that she brought, she's like, you know, I mentioned something I posted on, I, I wrote it for Huffington Post. And she goes, I read it. And I'm like, wait a second, this chick reads me too. She goes, I read your stuff. And it was just so, I've never had it happen. You know, I've never, I've always gone out on individual dates in my 53 years. I've never had anybody bring a friend along. I mean, it was just so, it was so bizarre. But, and it was also, and I always tell women this all the time, if you're going to bring a hot friend along and you're trying to figure out if this guy's good or you for not, you're going to take a major risk in the guy being attracted to her. Oh, yeah. You don't do that if you're serious about maybe starting up something with the guy you're going to be meeting. If you have good feelings about that, I think it's natural as a human being, even if you're not a needy, clingy person and you're still very open and you're a chooser, not a chaser, as I say, I still think you're going to be a little bit more possessive about that meeting than this woman was. Yeah, it was fascinating. I mean, it was just it's fascinating, but it's something that I think something that I, I tell guys all the time. When you want, and this is an exercise that, that I, you know, I teach men to do, is write down her. And I, I do the same thing for my women clients. Write down her. Who is she? Um, what does she look like? You know, what, is she, what do you feel in her presence? What do you want? You know, are you, you know, what's your sex life like with her? What's your emotional life with her? Is she a heavy listener? Or is she a heavy talker? How does she support you emotionally? You know, where, you know, is she a worker or are you an old school guy that just wants to pay all the bills? And I tell guys all the time to carry that list along around with them and reread it and rechange it over and over again. Because when she walks in that door, you need to recognize her energetically and you need to let her know that she's in the presence of a guy that's going to take charge and go after her, especially in today's Tinder-obsessed, paradox-of-choice dating world we live in where we always think there's something better around the corner. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And I also recommend to guys that I coach, they do something similar. But in my mind, I think a lot of guys, and a lot of women too, I mean, this isn't gender-specific, they make 
an emotional decision. Oh my gosh, she's beautiful. I want her. I love her. And then they go support that with logic. You know, even though she's crazy, even though she's got a gambling addiction, she's got a nice ass so I can rationalize the rest of it. I think if you put together that list of what you're really looking for and what's important to you in a potential partner, then you know that you're either being true to yourself or not when you hold that up to the light vis-a-vis every woman you meet from now into the future. You know if you're lying to yourself. You know if you're rationalizing or whether you really are meeting someone who's ticking off all these checkboxes for you. So it's not like, hey, here's my list, my laundry list of what you've got to be in order for me to date you. It's more the opposite. Once you find someone who really moves you emotionally, you whip out the list and see if all the numbers match. That's what I always encourage guys to do. And see, it's important to do that before you meet someone. Otherwise, Dave, you're going to back into that list, right? And you're going to be kidding yourself. Oh, you're going to convince yourself that or you're going to try to make her into something she's not. You know, you're going to, oh, yeah. you know, like, wow, she drives me nuts sexually. You know, it's like you go down on her and she never comes, right? But you never had that issue with another woman. You're not aligned physically with her at all, but you're going to keep trying and you're going to get her to feel you sexually and she can't feel you sexually because there's something off emotionally because the two of you are not safe in each other's presence. I mean, there's so many warning signs. I mean, I've broken down all my past relationships and gone through all my intimacy issues and everything else. And I realized the common denominator is always me. So let me figure out exactly why and how I was attracting and what stories I was creating about these people. And finally, two years ago, I was dating my, what I call it, my pile of cocaine. <laughs> you know, she was. Oh, man. She Sounds was like a hot mess. She was a hot mess. She was everything. She was five foot two, a hundred pounds. She had small tits, a tiny ass. She was gorgeous, you know, brunette. She was a knockout. She was amazing in bed. We can have sex for three hours at a time. She snuggled and cuddled and was always touching me nonstop, nourishing me in ways that I so, you know, really hitting my love languages. But to quote Hank Moody, she was cokey smurf. Oh my God, she was cokey beyond cokey smurf. I mean, she had, she was my mother. I was saving her just like I saved my mother growing up. I was replaying my childhood all over again. You know, it was, it was so dangerous. She was draining me of energy. And I walked away from it. And I've never walked away from a woman so early in a relationship because usually I'm going to make it work. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to you know, do it. And I walked away five months into it, totally in love with her and felt more empowered than I've ever felt in my entire life. And that was two, almost two and a half years ago. And I've been alone ever since. And it's been one of the greatest alone times ever because once you stand up to your old stories and look at them and say, all right, story. I don't want this anymore. I don't want I don't want to find love the way I've been finding love. I don't want to be in a relationship with my old stories. I don't want to fix anybody anymore. And I deserve my authentic, high vibrational equal. You all of a sudden find yourself more alone than ever before, but more in love with yourself than ever before. And you know you're just going to find it because the law of attraction will finally deliver something to you that you've never experienced before. It's It was such... It was the biggest eye-opening thing I've ever experienced in my life. One of the things you mentioned that I don't want to just gloss over is this whole idea of the common denominator being you when there's certain things that go on over and over again in a relationship. This is what I tell guys all the time. Look, if one woman thinks you're an idiot or another woman calls you ugly and that's not happening every time you talk to a woman, then you can't let that really get to you. What you really need to take a closer look at is when you see patterns over and over again. 
Like I'll have guys that come to me, David, going, well, I don't believe a word you say, Scott, because every time I even try to talk to a woman, I just get rudely rejected and she calls me names and basically calls security on me. And I'll think to myself, huh, I haven't had that happen in my entire adult life, not even once. Me, me either. And this is happening to this guy every time. These guys are going, no, that can't be right. It's all the women's problem. It's all their problem, not mine. And, you know, this goes back to the whole idea of what sells versus what works. As you and I both know, David, guys are more likely to spend money on a solution when it's really painful to them, when they're mm-hmm. rock bottom. They've got to basically be scraping face first along the bottom before they're going to say, okay, it's time to do something. Most guys won't ask for directions until the car is on fire is what I always say. So here they are. And all these women are rejecting them. All these women are gold diggers. All these women are hateful, horrible people. I'm sure you know all about the whole men going their own way hashtag movement where guys are basically saying the same thing that feminists used to say at least, which is, you know, we don't need any men. You know, we're fine by ourselves. Now, in a move that I find to be following rather than leading, frankly, which is not attractive to women, they're saying, fine, if you don't need us, we don't need you either. These women are just going to cuckold us. They're going to take all our money. They're going to get half our wealth in a divorce. None of them like me anyway. They're all just rude. They all just want to use me. There's a pattern there that they're falling into. And now they're saying, look, it's all the women's fault. I don't want them. So what sells to those guys who are desperate? Because they still have sexual needs. They still desperately deep down wish that women would like them. So what's going to work? What's going to sell? are two different things. What's going to sell is, yeah, right. These women are all terrible. They're all bitches. Let's go trick them into spreading their legs. You can get what you want. That is going to be music to the ears of a guy who is really disappointed and embittered by what's happened between he and women in the past. Whereas what works is to look in the mirror. This whole idea of it's not your fault marketing. Sometimes it's better to say, hey, look, you know what? Maybe I am responsible for this. Maybe I'm not a victim. Maybe I can work on myself, have a better attitude, start expecting women to be good people and to treat me right, start treating them right and see what comes back to me. You mentioned law of attraction. I think it's just a simple matter of masculine leadership to start off with. Oh, well, I mean, last night out with two beautiful women and let's put it in God, I don't believe in nines and tens and eights and sevens is either. I call them yes or no's. Yes, you want to fuck them and be with them. No, you don't, you know, so... I was with two extraordinarily sexy women that would make everybody's jaw drop to the ground. I am so comfortable around beautiful women that when women ask me all the time, what do you want? I said, she has to be beautiful. I said, but I've been dating beautiful women my whole life. I said, so that's a given. What that does and what that says to women is that I'm a leader and too many women and these women, their biggest complaint last night was that they are constantly having to manage the men's lives that they date. They have to make the plans and they've got to do this and they got to do that. And it's like they, the men have become so passive and they don't understand that a real woman needs a man to show up. And, and I think you kind of touched on a little bit, but it's very primal. I'm caveman. She's cave woman. When I come home at night, I'm going to throw the saber tooth tiger on the grill. I'm going to pull her by the hair. I'm going to throw her on the rock and I'm going to fuck her the way I want to fuck her. I'm going to make sure that she's taken care of sexually and emotionally. I'm going to hold her, listen to her, and we're going to cuddle up on that stone rock and go to bed. And then I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and protect her from the dinosaurs. You know, so we're primal. We're so primal. Men don't get it. And there was, and I'm sure you've seen this movie, um, which I tell every guy to watch, Christina, Vicky Christina Barcelona. I have, I've seen it. 
Okay, so the scene when Javier Bardem walks over to Scarlett Johansson and that other actress and basically tells them that they're going to fly on a, on a small plane, uh, drink wine, and have sex with each other all weekend. And Scarlett Johansson's character gets wet right away, and the other one goes, ew, you know, who do you think you are? But that's what women are looking for. They're looking for that strong, masculine guy and a lot of these guys are just blaming, you know, she was a bitch and she emasculated me and she did this and, and she did that. And you're right. And all that marketing will make it. It's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. You're a pussy. It's her <laughs> fault. Right. It's all these other. It's these girls fault, man. And it's like it's all their fault. It's that girl that rejected you in high school that turned you into a pussy. Exactly. And it is your fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's got to change. Know. Why are we focusing on whose fault it is anyway? That's a good question in and of itself. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Masculinity and femininity are what they are. They are the building blocks of sexual attraction. They are not cultural myths. This is the reality. As far as that goes, I had a woman interview me one time for a website, which will remain nameless, but it tends to do a lot of dating advice and tends to come from a feminist perspective. And for some reason, they liked me and liked to interview me. So this young woman interviews me and she's just really a feminist. And after the recording is off, she goes, can I confide something in you? Because you seem to be such a great guy and such a straight shooter. And I feel comfortable asking you this question. I'm like, well, sure, go ahead. She goes, you know, all of us around here are feminists and we're all about girl power and this, that, and the other. So is there something wrong with the fact that I just love in the bedroom for a guy to take me, own me, dominate me, pull my hair, spank me and bend me over and give it to me and come on my face? I go, no, that's perfectly natural. That's what sex is all about. She goes, oh, good. I feel so much better now because I felt like something was wrong with me. And I hung up the phone and kind of like furrowed my eyebrow and scratched my head and said, she's asking a guy this? I mean, that says it all. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, yeah, women are these primal little sexual creatures who want you to take them. And, you know, David, the truth of this is so profound that I actually wish it were different because I'm not always really comfortable with being that dominant guy in the bedroom, but experience, even my marriage to Emily time and time again, this is what women want. And it really doesn't matter who their public outward persona portrays. I mean, they can be preppy little church women, or they can be very outwardly sexual strippers or whatever. All these women love when a guy is very dominant, very masculine, and there's that sexual energy that's fueled by masculine penetration, you know, and the feminine being receptive. I agree. You know, it's funny because last night when her friend showed up, I looked at her. I wanted to spank her. <laughs> the first thought that came to my mind was I want to fucking bend this girl over the table, let her know who the boss is. It's like she came in 100 miles an hour. And I was like, no, I'm going to dominate her because I've always been a very dominant. I've always been dominant sexually. And if I'm not dominant sexually, it's because I'm energetically aligned with the wrong woman. And every woman, I mean, just just with that woman that you said, I mean, every single woman, the reason why they want to be choked and spanked and come on is because they want a fucking guy to mark his territory. She's his property. They love to be the naughty property in bed. They want you to respect them during the day, but when it comes down to claiming them at the end of the day, they want to be taking control over and not have to think. It doesn't mean that they're not going to come on to you, but they love, the more dominant you are physically with them, the more they feel safe with you in a relationship. I agree a thousand percent. 
once she feels safe and comfortable with you, once she knows you have her best interests at heart, it actually makes her more safe to know that you can take control and own. And you know, it's an uncomfortable, even unsavory thought. A lot of guys, myself included, just like I openly admitted, wish it were different. And the way women are in public is so different than they are once you get them in the bedroom and they trust you and they're attracted to you. But it is what it is. These women want to be dominated. They want a guy who just takes them. And you see, that's why I feel so bad when guys come to me and they go, well, you know, women don't like sex and they're all just playing keep away. Gentlemen, there is a veil that gets lifted once she's attracted to you and once she feels safe with you. It's like the whole world changes. She becomes a completely different species of mammal once she's attracted to you and feels safe with you. If you can get her to feel attracted to you as a masculine man, and that comes from letting your natural masculinity carry itself instead of softening your demeanor like I used to think I wanted to do years ago, trying to mirror their feminine or female nature. It doesn't work, guys. They want you to man up. That gets them going at a visceral female biological level. And then if she knows you have her best interests at heart, for example, she knows you're not necessarily all about having sex, but you want to get to know her. You want to know what she's about, what her interests are. You want to spend time with her. You actually like her. You like women in general. It's like you go through the looking glass in Alice in Wonderland. It's a different whole world. It's like a lucid dream. These women wake up and become little porno vixens and you never saw it coming. Now, of course, David, we're talking about women who aren't broken here. I always talk about women who are healthy whose daddies love them and who aren't psycho or crazy or drunk or something. But notwithstanding that, you and I are absolutely on the same page because even though we live completely different lives, we see the same pattern over and over again because we know what works, we teach what works, and we live it. I'm not surprised. You know, it's funny, you know, what you just said. There's so many ways to go from that. And I tell men all the time, women are more sexual than men, especially as they age. It's the role reversal. Give me a woman 41 years old and physically she's matched with an 18 year old because when you unlock her naughtiness, she can't leave it alone. I mean, I, and there was this woman that I was seeing this year. It was all just sexual. And after a week or two of breaking up with me, she'd get back with me. And I always told my friends, I said, I'm going to sleep with her again. And they said, no, she's, she wants more in a relationship. I said, no, I said, I'm going to get her to masturbate tonight because I'm going to talk dirty to her subliminally in so many ways that she's not going to be able to leave it alone. And then she's going to have to give in and see me. And sure enough, women are so sexual. Women will masturbate more than men as they age because they can't leave it alone. They're like a little boy who found his penis. <laughs> if you right. can unlock a woman's naughtiness, which if you get a woman to come, women fall in love through sex as they get older so fast because so many guys are so bad in bed and you touched on it. They don't really like women. You know, the women are just objects. So when they find a man that absolutely adores them, goes down on them for hours, makes them feel things, it unleashes oxytocin. And when oxytocin is unleashed, it's no different than an 18 year old kid who just can't stop masturbating all day long. These women are they're unreal. They're unreal the way they are sexually. And I've never met a woman that is not naughty. I've never met a woman that has not wanted to suck my dick as much as I wanted to go down on her. You know, once you grasp this mindset and this belief and you can unlock this, it's, it's the most powerful lesson ever. Yeah. You're the key to that lock. 
I think a major way to do that is to bring out her playful nature. You mentioned being naughty. I think once a woman is playful with you, that naturally leads to naughtiness. Back in my dating days, I always tried to foster that in women as much as I could. And uh, even now, married to Emily, I try to bring out the playful in her all the time. Just because I like the result. I like who she is. I like her happy and giggling and joyful and playful and wanting to go romp in the bedroom and anywhere else other than the bedroom as well. I like that. So I make it happen. Yeah, it's a lot better than, you know, walking on eggshells and, being and <laughs> you know, and battling because women want to be joyous and playful. If you want her to fall in love with you, you need to be her rock. She needs to feel safe. She needs to feel dominated sexually so she can bring out the vixen in bed so she can be that naughty girl and she can surprise you by coming over naked in a raincoat one night and blowing you with a stake in her hands. I mean, she'll do anything for you. <laughs> If you can unlock that, but they, need to, <laughs> but they need to feel safe and they need to feel like they're in the presence of a man that actually loves women, not a man that is just using her for sex or using her for his own validation because women are beautiful. When you describe Emily and being playful, there's nothing better than to connect with a playful woman on a Saturday or a Sunday. No, it's the best. She comes over in her PJs and watches cartoons with you in the morning and has pillow fights with you. Well, think about, you know, where it comes down to. You got a daughter, so you know where it all starts. I mean, I put my daughter to sleep the other night and, you know, it's like I read her a book and then I kiss the back of her neck, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's so funny because she doesn't let me kiss her face, you know, because she's five. So I got to kiss her however I can kiss her, right? So I kiss mm -hmm. the back of her neck and she goes again, again, again. <laughs> again is her favorite word. Right? right? It feels so good. Again, again. That's a little girl thing, by the way, is the again. It, it is. But that's what a five-year-old girl is no different than a 30-year-old woman that you're tickling. And she's going again, again, because they want to feel the way their dads made them feel. Special protected and loved. They never grow up. Yeah. A lot of these guys, they come to me and they go, Scott, why don't you have a program for guys over 50? I go, well, I do. It's called, and I tell them the name of the program for everybody that works for them. If you're trying to date a 40-year-old woman or an 18-year-old girl, they all want the same things. They want you to be confident. They want you to be masculine in the way they define it, which I talk about all the time on this show and on my newsletter. You guys can look it up. They want you to have their best interest at heart so that they feel safe and comfortable around you. And if they're a good woman of character, they want to know you have character too. You get all of that lined up. It doesn't matter. They want to play. They want to be joyful. They want you to bring out the feminine in them. They want to take care of you. They want to cook you dinner. They want to clean up after you as long as they know you're a provider, you're a protector. And don't get that confused with being a millionaire, attracting gold diggers, or someone who's beating up thugs. You can protect and provide in the form of a solution or in terms of being Johnny on the spot when somebody needs to take control. Whenever the chips are down, you're the one who handles the crisis better than anybody else. All of that classifies. If you're that man she can trust, then all you need after that is the sexual attraction that comes from you acting like a man, doing masculine things, making decisions, being courageous, not being fearless, but being courageous, different thing. Uh, having a plan, not only for the date, but for your life. Those things that make a woman feel like you are the enabler of her feminine gifts. You're that perimeter defender who frees her up to not have to worry about those things so she can feel free to be of comfort and rub your back and all these wonderful things women do. Boom, you're going to see women start to do all those things.
and being dominant, just like you said before, which has become the central theme of this podcast, by the way, is almost the key after you've attracted her, after she feels safe with you, then it's all about you being dominant. It's all about you taking charge. Because if you have her best interests at heart, she is hardwired to follow your leadership as a woman, and she will gladly do it, gladly let you make all the decisions because it's all going to be for her benefit. And we love doing that as guys. So yes, we're dominant, but we're not selfish. We're not self-serving. We're not abusive. See, a lot of times guys hear the word dominant and they're thinking being a controller, a controlling jerk, instead of being in control. And there's just a huge difference, isn't there, David? Huge difference. I mean, you have to be tender. A dominant man is tender. A dominant man is vulnerable. A dominant man can literally, you know, go up to a woman and just go, I feel you, you know, I want to get to know who you are. You know, it's like, there's no fear. It's like, think about it. Women are scared little creatures that need to be protected, right? So no matter what alarm they have on their car or their house or whatever else, they still want to be held at night and be told everything's going to be okay. They don't want the boogeyman to come in the middle of the night. They don't want anything. So being A lot of guys don't understand. They don't understand the strength of vulnerability. And vulnerability is looking at a woman and saying, hey, look, we've gone out on a couple of dates. I like you. You know, I'm not into playing games. You know, I would like to take down all my profiles and all my dating sites and see what we have. A woman's going to sit there and absolutely melt. She's not going to trust it because you're going to still need to back your words with actions. And that's a key here, too, is that a dominant guy, whatever he says, he walks the walk and he talks the talk every single time. What he says, and I learned this from a woman years ago when I was early 30s, I told her something I thought was true and it turned out not to be true. And she looked at me and said, I need you to tell me and only speak your truth and back it up with an action. It's the greatest lesson in the world because a dominant man has no fear because he knows he can back up the words with an action. One thing you mentioned there was something that I think summed up everything you just said, and that's a woman wants you to hold her and tell her everything's going to be all right. That really caught my attention because that's exactly what I say whenever I'm asked, what do women want? And I've said this in front of feminist leaning groups. I've said this live on stage at uh, conferences that I've spoken at. I've even been on the radio, asked that question and answered it the same way. And I've never had anybody, even feminist women who aren't necessarily all that pro-guy, none of them have ever argued with me. And the answer is always, a woman wants you to hold her, tell her everything's going to be okay, and believe it. Yes. And that last part is very, very crucial. They need, do you hear that in the background? That's wonderful Friday in Southern California. They, God invented the leaf blower for a city that the leaves don't drop on the trees all but in December. But yet... Every Friday, there's somebody in my neighbor that goes around with a leaf blower and drives us nuts. It's always trash trucks on my podcast. Uh, For some reason, every time the trash man comes outside, I'm recording a podcast or I'm doing media or something, and here comes the trash truck, and they always turn on the compactor and have to reverse with the beep, beep, beep in front of my house for at least two full minutes before they proceed. So, yeah, I feel you. You know what a dominant guy would do here in this place? He'd look at his woman and go, honey... 
I'm going to go talk to the leaf blower and the trash compactor because I know it's grating on your nerves and I'm going to go and take care of it. And then she's going to watch you like literally like a Disney character. She's going to peer out of the window and watch you literally. You could be going blah, 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 blah to the trash compactor. Like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Right. It could be Charlie Brown. It could be Charlie wah, Brown. Wah, wah, wah. And, and she is going to sit there and go, that's my man. He honors <laughs> and he protects me. And he loves me and he understands. And I tell guys all the time, you know, the book, The Five Love Languages is great. Know your woman's love language and basically perfect loving her that way. And she is just going to sit there and do everything for you. I mean, they're just, they're simple, highly emotional, fucked up creatures that we have to love and adore. But you got to understand, it's like they have cycles and moods and they have so many different things that go on. But if they feel safe, they will protect you and honor you and make you feel like a king every single day. You know, you mentioned going outside and giving the trash guys the business when they're paused outside my house. Now, I don't know about that because it would take me more than two full minutes to go out there and distract them that long. You know, I'd end up with just a deeper problem than I start out with. But it did remind me of something that's along the same lines. Every once in a while, Emily will eavesdrop on me, which is quite okay. You know, she's in this business with me. Sometimes she's sitting right next to me working away while I'm doing coaching calls or whatever. And I'll be talking to guys or doing a podcast or a program like this, talking about my thing. And she's told me it makes her hornier than hell to listen to me talk about masculinity and to coach guys in that respect, just to talk about it, just to hear me and my energy covering these subjects. That alone makes her horny. It's amazing. Just the implication of it. Because she's seeing the authoritative person. I mean, it's like, why do rock stars get laid no matter how ugly they are? You know, <laughs> and, you know, and I always tell people all the time, the only reason why the Republicans wanted to basically impeach Clinton is because he abused the powers of the Oval Office. He let a fat girl suck his dick when he could have had any girl suck his dick. And that pissed them off because you work that hard to be in a position of power and you're attracted to an ugly woman? I mean, come on, man. That got, that got the country pissed <laughs> off. Hey, well, Monica kind of milked that one for all it was worth. She still is. Monica's hot now. Monica lost weight. Monica is actually skinny. Monica Lewinsky is pretty, pretty decent. I'll give Bill a thumbs up, man. He must have seen something underneath all that. 20 years hence also. Which is unbelievable. But it's the truth. It's like women want to see. They want to look at you and go, that's my man. That's my man. That's my hero. Yeah, that's my superhero. So I always tell guys all the time, decide what type of superhero you're going to be. You're either going to be a great listener, a great lover, um, a great protector, a great provider. But in reality, when you're a superhero for women, you got to be a little bit of everything. You got to hone those skills and literally become not only a great provider, but great emotional rock. You've got to be a great father. I mean, what gets a woman more excited and wet than when you lift your daughter up in the air and you look at her and you give her a big hug and say, baby, you're always safe with dad. Oh, my God, a woman just sits there and she wants to cry. And I mean, it's just so many moments that a woman has. A woman just sent me, she goes, I'm having David withdrawal symptoms today. That was cute. Um, yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, well, that's always nice. I love when women send you those cute little messages. That means you're doing a good job attracting her, always. They don't just send you those messages offhand. Sometimes guys will write me. I'm sure this happens to you. They're getting the most downright obvious approval from a woman. They're getting approval in the form of, oh my gosh, I think you're so wonderful. When can I see you again? I'm having David withdrawal symptoms, stuff like that. They'll write me and go, uh, what does this mean? Does she like me? Should I ask her out? I mean, I get questions like that all the time. I'm sure you do too. 
You know what I tell them all the time, Scott? I tell them all the time. I said, if you don't capitalize on that, she has basically been fantasizing about you. She's probably had a sexual fantasy about you. Yeah, that's right. She's probably touched herself, used her vibrator thinking of you. She is emotionally wanting to open up. And what she's doing is she's looking to see what type of man you are. Are you a man worthy of her love? Are you a man worthy of her attention? Are you a man worthy? Can you handle this? She is literally telling you, please claim me. Please feel the same way. Yeah. Please be as open as I am. You know, it's God, I get that too. And guys will say to me, I don't know what to do with that. Oh my God. And how many days ago? And they said it was like two weeks ago when she said it. Do anything with it other than nothing. It's like withdrawal. It's like my thing is to be playful. I'm going to say, well, I'm a doctor. You know, can you describe all the symptoms so I can help cure you? You know, I mean, so I'm always playful. And I know guys right now writing that down. I'm a doctor, you know, blah, blah, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, don't write that down. Realize that I played off of the words. I'm having David withdrawal symptoms. Don't. And then there was a funny story one time where I, I told a guy that you just have to bond in a moment, you know, and they didn't understand the moment. So they bonded in one moment that was good and then used that moment over and over again. And it never worked again. A different moment. If you don't seize that opportunity, if you shy away, if you aren't man enough, she's going to feel rejected. Yep. Remember how much rejection sucks, guys? Well, that's the moment where the woman's going to feel rejected. Another thing you were talking about a minute ago was the idea of being a superhero to a woman. One thing I wanted to add just offhand there is I couldn't help but think I've never met a passive superhero. That's not a superpower, being passive. Dominance is in the very fabric of what women want you to be for them. You know, that's really just I'm thinking about that right now. You know, it's like women, I, I got to write that down. Women don't want a passive superhero, but yet so many guys are passive superheroes. They're passive guys on the ground looking up at Superman, hoping he'll save them and their girlfriend. Guys, you got to take the bull by the horns. You got to be the go-to guy when the chips are down. Women are always horny for that guy. I promise you. And you know, it's not like you're going to die. I mean, some guys, they shy away from anything that's an uncomfortable decision, any kind of stress, any kind of drama. When if you just take the bull by the horns and handle it, you're going to feel so much better. And yet if you go, oh, you know what? I kind of don't want to make that decision. I don't feel comfortable with it. It's kind of like being the guy at the end of an NBA game who wants the ball with five seconds left. That guy is the superstar of the league. The guy who makes one more pass and says, okay, let Manu Ginobili take it because I don't want it. That guy is not going to be on the all-star team. No, that's not going to be all-star The hero team. is the guy who wants the freaking ball. And that's what men do. They want the ball. If you are the guy, when everybody's trying to figure out what to do about the flat tire we got on the side of the road, if you're the guy who takes charge, Calls AAA even. It's not even like you have to get down there, get dirty, and change the tire. As long as you know what to do, you're fine. Now, there's brownie points for changing the tire, granted. There's brownie points for having the tools at the right time. That's why Grandpa, who's a little bit more mature and knows this stuff, always has a pocket knife. That sort of thing's good. Keeping jumper cables in your truck, yada, yada, yada. But guys, if you're going to be a hero to a woman, you can't be passive. You got to be the take charge kind of guy we're talking about here. And note that this is outside the bedroom. We've already covered very well the whole idea of being dominant in the bedroom. But women want you to be dominant in a way that has their best interests at heart. It's all about their safety. It's all about them being provided for. See, this doesn't involve you being a millionaire and handing her your black visa card. This doesn't involve you beating up a bunch of thugs. 
This is safety and security, making her feel provided for and protected at the core. Get to know some of these principles, guys. Get to know how to be a guy who majors on making women feel safe and comfortable. And you're going to find that women not only want to be around you more, they're going to want to be with you more. You're making them hornier. Yeah, beyond hornier. I mean, if you look at like, I love that term, passive superhero, take charge, go down the field. You know, look at the ultimate male, Tom Brady. I mean, how annoying is Tom Brady? <laughs> Some of us would argue whether he's the ultimate man oh, or not. But, you know, but if you think about it, just sport-wise, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, look, a lot of people, look, he's got a beautiful wife, right? He never loses big games unless there's a miracle catch, you know? Otherwise, he'd be 6-0 and in Super Bowls, and he's 7-0 and again this year, and it's driving everybody nuts. It's like... Especially us Ravens fans, we're really driven nuts this year. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you. I mean, I'm a Jet fan, so I mean, I've been chasing Tom Brady for 14 years. So Jets are doing well this year, though. Yeah, but it's still chasing Tom Brady. And you look at a sports figure, you look at somebody, and they take charge, you know. And you know, guys are big sports fans. It's like think about, you know, I always say, tap into your inner Brady. There was a woman in front of him. Would he passively go after her or hand off? Or like take a knee? No, he'd have a two-minute warning clicking in his head, and he'd find a way to get to that end zone and claim that woman. It's the same principles. It's like we watch these sports because we have alternate superheroes, but in reality, we're the take-charge men. We need to be the men, especially in a passive society now. If you're a take-charge man, forget about it. You can have any woman you want. You could be a guy that's 30 pounds overweight and go out with a supermodel because you're the one that basically claimed her. I mean, it's the sky is the limit for you. Boldness is by far the number one differentiator between guys who are successful with women and guys who aren't. Guys who go out there and claim the women they want win. Guys who make excuses because they are too nervous or they're afraid of rejection, they'll always say things like, women don't want to go out with me. I can't get any women to go out with me. And More than half the time, I'm not going to say nine out of 10, certainly more times than not, those guys aren't even asking any women. They're not even putting this to the test. They're just making an assumption that's built upon their own passivity. There's that word again, their own timidity and them not wanting to go out and ask women. That's how it works. You know, and all I say to that in the company of guys who are getting what they want, like I say, deserving what they want is more for us. Hey, you know what? For the guys who work with you and I, David, who read our books, get our programs, listen to these podcasts, even read our free newsletters, they have a leg up on all those guys who are never going to do one stinking thing to get better with women. I say, terrific. More for us. Let the big dogs eat. And the difference between the big dogs and the guys who are going hungry is they're learning the keys to being bold. They're learning the keys to being masculine. That masculinity is within all of us already. You don't have to learn how to be male. If anything, that masculinity has been quashed by bad programming over time. It's who you're naturally meant to be. Be that guy, make women feel safe and comfortable in your presence, and you're going to be one of those guys who's attracting the women. There is no competition. I mean, it's amazing how few guys step up to the plate and know those simple things that women want. I mean, simple, but not necessarily easy, right? But what I call them are the big four. Confidence. Masculinity as women define it. That doesn't even involve doing anything. That involves being. There's no dog and pony show. There's no tricks. There's no lines to memorize. Making that woman feel safe and comfortable in your presence and also being a man of character. 
you know, you were talking about the guy who can march down the field at the end of the game. We know who those quarterbacks are. If that quarterback is playing for my team, I know this guy's got it on a two-minute drill. If we're playing against a Tom Brady, right, I go, oh, God, we gave him two minutes. We're going to lose. We know. You either have confidence in these guys or you don't, and you're usually right. Same thing in the NBA. There's a certain guy on that other team you don't want to have the ball. Like the other night, the Spurs got beaten by the one guy in the last one second of the game. They got beat on a three-pointer by the one guy on that court who shouldn't have had the ball. And I saw the ball hit his hands, and I said, oh, here we go. And sure enough, it was a road game, and the place went nuts. But, I mean, I wasn't surprised. You know, someone missed a rotation on the Spurs side, and boom. I mean, the guy was automatic. But you know, David, a minute ago, we talked about the idea of not having any competition. You're talking about 400 guys who play in the NBA. I think we can all agree those are 400 of the best basketball players on the entire planet. Look how few of those guys want the ball at the end of the game. That's how hard this really is in real life to become, isn't it? I know, it's funny. And guys want to become it in an hour. Oh, yeah. They want to be able to buy a program and one hour later be able to be that. And I always tell guys all the time, I said, you know, if I could make you this way in an hour, why would I waste my time spending an hour with you? Because if I had such magical powers, I would be Tom Brady. I would be, oh God, I don't know. I would be Bruce Springsteen. I'd be Chris Martin from Coldplay. Yeah. I mean, my God, 20,000 women adoring you when you're on stage. Um, I'd be Clooney for a little while. I mean, I would be able to, if I could work that type of magic, man, I'd be like a, a doctor and get the rush of saving a life. So how badly do you want that three-point shot at the end of the game? Because that's all it is, is when you walk into a bar at night or you walk into a supermarket, you approach her and you literally show her that you were the man to take that shot and only you could take the shot you're taking. Whether she responds or not is up to her because attraction is just it's not a choice, it's an emotion, it's an energy. But when you go to the shot and you take that shot, the right woman, which is going to happen more often than not, is going to respond to it and literally say, fuck, that's a man. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get every woman, but the more masculine you are, the more dominant you are, the more of a leader you are, the more you're this big four guy, you're sure going to increase your odds. Your chances are going to get a lot better. Well, i tell you what, we're running out of time. And, you know, this has been an incredible conversation. We've talked about all sorts of things relative to being a dominant man who women love. I want to give these guys a chance to know about your program, the Girlfriend Manual. Give me the elevator pitch on that, David. Uh, it's a quick pitch. I mean, it is everything you need from the minute you meet her to literally saying I do, having children, everything else. It's every discussion and how to bring it up. It is every way to talk about commitment. It's how to plan the first month of your relationship. It's all about how to talk about kids and, you know, because that's something we forget to talk about when we're dating. What type of mother are they going to be? You know, are they going to still make you feel like a king or are you going to be pushed aside like a lot of men are when the kid comes out and she goes into, you know, what I call motheraholic zone, you know, so it is everything. I think it's like 19 audios literally breaking down every step of a relationship and how to negotiate through the tough times, how to state your needs, wants, and desires, and how to understand how to show up as a man for her. And it works literally from the second you get that phone number 
all the way till, you know, the day you die. It's like I always tell guys all the time, it's relationship insurance. It's you can have this program and six years later need to listen to it again. You can literally go to that chapter because it talks about how to state your needs, wants and desires in a relationship. And you need to refresh that. And you literally can start fresh from there all over again. It's amazing. It's everything that I've ever experienced, all my relationships. And I've got a couple of guest people on there, too, that really share their views and some women. So it's a pretty damn good program, if I must say so myself. Sounds like a complete toolkit, and I'm sure it's a lot less expensive than a divorce attorney. Oh, my God. So much less. You could me what's called <laughs> divorce insurance. Yeah, exactly. Guys, if you want to check that out, go to www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash Wygant, W-Y-G-A-N-T. Once again, that's www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash Wygant, W-Y-G-A-N-T. David, this has been an incredible, action-packed, fluff-free conversation as often happens on this show. I think today was a particularly good one. And I thank you a lot for joining us. My pleasure, man. Enjoy the weekend. And guys, if you happen to be sitting in front of your computer right now, please take one second to hit that five-star rating on iTunes. And we greatly appreciate it. It helps the show's ranking immensely. You're a big part of that. You're like our 12th man to give you yet another sports uh, analogy here on this show. And also, if this show is helpful to you, if you like what you heard today, if David and I have given you some value that you can go out and use, please leave a review on iTunes. Let me know at scott at deservewhatyouwant.com. That's S-C-O-T at deservewhatyouwant.com when you leave that review so I can show my appreciation back to you. Until I talk to you again on the next big episode of The Chick Whisperer, this is Scott McKay from XMI Communications. Be good out there, gentlemen. The Chick Whisperer podcast is copyright 2009 by XMI Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Chick Whisperer Podcast.